everyone, and welcome to This Mom Loves. I'm Kate Wynn. I'm the mom of two girls. They are currently 11 and 13. I'm a kindergarten teacher. I'm a freelance writer and blogger and a podcaster as well. And you're listening to episode 36 of the show. I'm really excited about today's episode, first of all, because we are now a year old. On October 1st, we celebrated the one-year anniversary of This Mom Loves the podcast, which is super exciting. I was reflecting all the way back to my very first interview with Courtney Wilson from HGTV's Masters of Flip, among many other things. And it's really exciting to think that we've reached this milestone and made it one year, and I have so much planned. I mean, the next few episodes are just jam-packed, starting with this one. In my favorite things, I'm going to be sharing some Downton Abbey books that are really fun. And then I'm kind of combining a couple of favorite things with the lifestyle segment. And I'm going to be talking about uh, shampoo and conditioner bars from Unwrapped Life, kind of the idea of reducing plastic and that sort of thing. So I love this business. I want to tell you all about it. I will also be talking about an amazing app that I love called Cladwell. And it's kind of personal styling right on your device, which is super fun too. And then tying into all of that, my special guest interview today is with author Elizabeth L. Klein, and her latest book is called The Conscious Closet, The Revolutionary Guide to Looking Good While Doing Good. And I have read it. It's really, really amazing. And she's just, uh, you know, buzzing everywhere right now. Everybody's, you know, doing interviews with her and she's got a lot of appearances and things going on because so many people are looking to be more sustainable when it comes to fashion. And it's a big, big issue, even bigger than I realized. She's got so many great ideas. So you're definitely going to want to stick around for that. Kicking things off with some fun Downton Abbey books. So of course the movie just came out. I actually saw it the, the night before the official, um, the official release date. And, uh, it's very good. It's cute. It's just exactly what you would expect if you were a fan of Downton Abbey and want to go back and see your, you know, favorite characters and find out what's going on with them. It's just a nice chance to visit with them again. And in honor of that, I thought it would be neat to share some Downton Abbey books. I've recently partnered with Simon & Schuster Canada, and I actually gave away on Instagram a copy of all three of the books I'm going to talk about. So if you do not follow me on Instagram, you're going to want to do that. I'm at Kate This Mom Loves because I have a whole bunch of other great giveaways coming up soon, plus all of the other content that I hope you will enjoy. So check that out. So first, the Downton Abbey cocktail book, the official Downton Abbey cocktail book. It's really neat. So it's got a foreword by Julian Fellows, who of course created the show. It's hardcover. It's full of color photographs from the show, some close-ups of drinks and things that were actually used in scenes, as well as just, um, you know, characters and things that happened during the series. And then all sorts of different cocktails that have some sort of connection to Downton Abbey. Either they were used in an episode or they're from the time or they kind of fit in with some sort of theme. There's also little quotations on some pages and things like that. So if you're a Downton Abbey fan and also a drinker, someone who likes to mix your own cocktails, this is definitely a fun book for you. The next one is the official Downton Abbey cookbook. So again, hardcover, full color photographs. And, you know, this is a great gift too. Like if you're thinking ahead to gift giving season, the holiday time, if there's a Downton Abbey fan in your life, um, the official Downton Abbey cookbook, so many amazing recipes. There's an introduction. There's all sorts of information about, you know, like etiquette about the meals and different things that you might not have known about that time or even about Downton Abbey, which is fun. It's divided up into the upstairs and the downstairs because of course the aristocrats ate quite differently than the people who were, uh, were the ones serving them. 
And then within those categories, there are subcategories like breakfast, lunch, and supper, afternoon tea and garden parties, picnics, shoots, and race meets. I have never had to worry about cooking anything for a shoot or a race meet yet. Festive food, upstairs dinner, and then that's divided into hors d'oeuvres, soups, fish, entrees. You get the idea. And then downstairs, um, fewer categories, but downstairs dinner, supper, and tea, the still room. And then it gives you a bibliography with further reading, all sorts of stuff. So if you're a Downton Abbey fan who uh, loves to spend time in the kitchen, that one's for you. And then a third really neat book is the Downton Abbey Coloring Book. And we know that there's been a huge uh, resurgence of coloring for grown-ups. And in this book, there are, I think, 96 pages or so. And in each two-page spread, there's a really detailed black and white coloring, um, coloring page. And then on the other side is a quote from the series that goes along with it. So again, a fun kind of gift for anybody a little bit older, you know, if you have a, a tween or a teen maybe into Downton Abbey and then for adults as well. It's not really a, a child's coloring book because as I say, the pictures are quite detailed with small spots for coloring, but that is a fun one too. So all three of those Downton Abbey books are available wherever you get books and they're from Simon & Schuster Canada. Moving now to the first favorite thing that I want to talk about in the lifestyle segment, reducing waste with shampoo and conditioner bars from unwrapped life. So I've been making an effort lately to reduce the waste coming out of my, my home and my classroom. And I had Laura Murray on the show several episodes back who shared a lot of great ideas for reducing waste. And in my quest, I've come across a great company. I actually saw unwrapped life on Jillian Harris's Facebook feed one day and she shared a discount code. So I jumped on that so that I could try them out. It was started by two Canadian women and they wanted to do something about the issue with single use plastics. And so they decided to start by creating shampoo and conditioner bars because they weren't happy with any of the ones out there on the market. Now I have tried some environmentally friendly shampoos in the past and I wasn't impressed. I'm not sure if I ever tried a bar, but I remember trying one that was supposed to be a more eco-friendly product and it didn't lather and the rinsing wasn't good and all that sort of stuff. And then of course that would still have had the plastic bottle to get rid of, but I thought I really wanted to try this and I was very impressed. So the shampoo bar lathers. I picked, um, what's the line called? The stimulator. And that's for oily or fine hair to add a little bit of volume and, uh, and keep it cleaned up. So I really like that. The shampoo lathers nicely, the conditioner bar, you know, you can feel your hair kind of softer and it rinses out. So the packaging that they arrived in, like minimal waste free, as opposed to, you know, sometimes when you order things online and, you know, there's so much waste when you're unwrapping your stuff and having to get rid of all of the packaging. So I was impressed by that too. I also bought a travel, little travel tin set for the shampoo and conditioner. Cause I thought if I wanted to take them anywhere with me and a shaving bar that just looks like a bar of soap, but they're vegan and it's called hashtag brunch goals. So I got that as well. Um, the delivery was really quick. They look really beautiful, like really attractive, like I said, they perform very well with the shaving bar. I've been using it consistently. I haven't used any shaving cream since I got it. I'd say that I really like it. I wouldn't say love it because I find, yeah, it does a good job. It, you know, sometimes I wonder if it's quite as good as, as the foam. But I think again, that's that sort of, um, psychological thing where you think it has to foam in order to work better. And I think the bar works the same as, as foam. So so it's still good. And I've given my girls kind of all the other plastic bottled products to use up because of course it doesn't really help anything. If you throw out products you haven't even used, you might as well use them up first before you recycle the bottles. 
and I'll have them use those things. And then I'm thinking maybe as Christmas gets closer, getting them their own bars might be something that, that I consider. The bars typically last as long as two or three bottles of liquid shampoo and at a regular price of about $16 or so. That's actually not a bad investment compared to what you might pay for, for a decent shampoo or conditioner bottle, but I wouldn't even pay full price. I mean, you can wait for a sale or discount code. A little while back, they had a bumped and bruised sale where they sold off their bars that had, you know, little nicks in them or discolorations or whatever that were a lot cheaper, which is great. Something else neat about Unwrapped Life is they don't accept returns. And so I thought that was funny when I read that on their site. And here's how they explain it. The environmental impact of reverse shipping creates over 5 billion pounds of landfill waste annually and results in 5 million metric tons of carbon dioxide emission emissions. Yes, really. We ask that you, our customers, use what you have, buy only what you need, and ask lots of questions before making a purchase. And they really are good on social media at getting back to you with questions. The first thing I wanted to ask was, does the shampoo bar lather? And very, very quickly, I got a response back. Yes, they do. There was something else I asked. They replied quickly again. And it helped make my decision, not only because I got the answers I was hoping for, but knowing that the customer service is that good and that they're attuned to um, what the customers want to know. So I was impressed by that. The shampoo bar does stick a bit like on the shower ledge. So I actually went to the dollar store and got a couple of cute little, um, cute little holders that sort of have the, the metal lines on them so you can drain, um, and they won't stick. And so I stuck them, they have, um, suction cups. So I stuck them to the side of the shower to put the bars in. So it kind of looks cute too. In addition to personal care items for women, they've also got baby and kids products and some home items like wool dryer balls and stainless steel straws. They offer free shipping in Canada and the U.S. when you spend over $75. So if you're going to order, it might be a good idea to do it all in bulk and kind of save on that. So again, that is Unwrapped Life is the name of that company. And the other company I wanted to share with you, it's actually an app and it's called Cladwell. And it's basically your personal stylist all in an app. So I read about it when I was doing some research on sustainable fashion. I signed up for the seven day free trial and really liked it. So then I contacted them and they agreed to a partnership. So my, my subscription right now is free. So I will disclose that to you, but I had already decided that I was going to review it and, uh, and share with all of you even before that happened. So, um, basically what it is, is it's an app currently for iOS users that recommends outfits to you every day, straight from your own closet. So how it works is you fill your virtual closet in this app with items from your real closet using their huge database. You could also add photos of your own specific items if you can't find something in their database. So I got Eva, my 11 year old daughter to do the setup part of this for me, which she really enjoyed. She had fun just lying on my bed and I'd bring things out and she'd find them. Now it took a lot longer when she did it because we hadn't discovered filters so she was just going through the jackets and sweaters category in its entirety and scrolling through the whole thing to try to find every item that's similar to one that I own. But you can actually narrow it down and kind of go, you know, t-shirt, white, short sleeve, crew neck, and then you can find something much closer to the specific item you're looking for. Um, so every day Cladwell recommends three different outfits for you to choose from based on all of the things you have in your wardrobe. And you can click on dates to schedule your outfits in advance or to go back and log something that you wore before. You can also go back and see your history. They give you detailed stats on how often you've worn each item and what you wear the most or least and your most worn colors, that sort of thing. So I really like it. Some of my favorite features, like the huge variety of items they have in their database to originally fill your closet. So you might not find every specific piece you own, but most are close enough. So I know when Eva was looking for black blazer for me, for instance, I mean, there were maybe 
a dozen or 15 or more black blazers to choose from. So is yours long and you know, what are the lapels like? And is there any color on the trim and that sort of thing? So she just picked the one most like mine. So out of 12 or 15 black blazers, even if this isn't precisely like the one I own, it's close enough to my black blazer. The filters really do help you narrow your items down quickly. It is easy to upload your own photo and your details for an item. So, I mean, I have kind of a tunicky black and white top and there really was nothing even with a similar pattern or a similar style. And I wanted to put that in there as one of my choices for my wardrobe. So I just took a photo, put it in and I enter in what kind of top it is and the colors because then that kind of tells their brains inside the app what sort of things that it might match up with. Um, and I mean, it, things are close enough. Like for example, I've got a red plaid button up. Well, the plaid in their photo isn't exactly the same plaid, but I mean, when they show me that picture from one of my outfits, I know exactly what, what item of my clothing that they're recommending. The daily suggestions that they give you incorporate local weather, which is great. And if you are Canadian, like I am, you can set the temperature to show in degrees Celsius. And if you're not feeling any of the three options that they give you on a given day, you can edit one or more items. So if you're thinking that nah, I don't want to wear heels today, I'm going to ed edit that, that out for a flat, or you can just completely refresh and get something entirely new, which occasionally I do if, if I'm not interested in the things that they're showing me. And, uh, I just find it really fun every day to sort of wake up. Actually, usually I do it the night before and kind of plan ahead and have things laid out, ready to go. But the capsules that they have in our, their, in their app are fantastic too, because you can specify items in your wardrobe to fit into certain capsules or categories. So I have a work capsule and a casual capsule right now. Some people do the different seasons or whatever. And you can also put items in storage. I'm doing like the, you know, air quotes right now, storage. So maybe you've lost something and you're still hoping to get it back, or you definitely just don't want to wear it this season or whatever. Maybe it doesn't fit you right now, but you don't want to get rid of it out of your closet entirely. So you can put it in virtual storage so that it's still there, but they're not recommending it for you to wear. Online, I did do a blog post about Cladwell and I showed a lot of different screenshots of things that I've talked about here today. I also have some pictures of the outfits that they've recommended. I put a lot of those in my Instagram stories too, if you do follow me on Instagram. Another really cool feature is you can click on an item in your closet and the app will generate tons of ideas for outfits using that item. So I tried it out. I've got kind of like a long animal print top. So I tried clicking on that and it gave me so many items, like different things to layer with it, different pants that would go, different boot and shoe kind of looks which was really fun because sometimes I think, oh, what can I wear that with? And your app can give you a whole bunch of choices. There is a spot where the app will show you recommended items to add to your closet with links to purchase, but it doesn't dominate the app at all. Like I definitely didn't want something where it was always trying to encourage you to shop because the reason I wanted to do this is because I'm trying to go that whole direction of experiences over stuff, over things. And so I don't want to be buying more clothing. I want the app to tell me how I can keep using the clothing that I have which is great. You can also contact a real live stylist from Cladwell using Facebook Messenger during certain um, hours who can access your closet online and answer any questions you have. So I haven't tried that yet, but I'm looking forward to it. And there's a social aspect to the app too, where you can choose to follow other users' closets and let them see yours and, and, you know, like, and comment and things like that on, on other people's outfits and get ideas from them too. Now, if I had any wishes for the app, one would be that it would get to Android sooner than later because I do use a Samsung phone. They say, you know, within a year, maybe a little bit more, they are looking to have that um, 
have that be a reality. Right now I use it on my iPad and that's great too, because I like the big screen for seeing everything and really I'm doing all this at home. It's not like I need to be on the fly. If you really wanted to use it a lot for shopping and when you're out and about having it on your phone is more ideal and, and Apple users, of course, you're, you're good to go with that. Um, and I also want it to really realize that I'm trying desperately to rotate my wardrobe. So for example, one day I wore kind of my bright blue pants on a Monday and then on Wednesday it was recommending an outfit with those pants again. So, you know, I just refreshed or picked different pants or whatever I did, which is not a big deal at all, but it'd be great if it, you know, really was making sure that I rotated everything. Now, price-wise in Canada, the price works out to about 6 something, maybe 675 a month, and I believe iTunes charges that as one annual lump sum. You'd have to uh, to um, you know, confirm that for sure, but I have no doubt that I would be saving 6 or 7 dollars a month by wearing what's in my closet and not shopping for new clothes. And again, it's an experience. I mean, six something a month is way less than going to the movies or going out for a meal or even any of the experiences that I love to spend money on. So I can totally justify it. And it's fun. It just feels like you do have a personal stylist sitting there with you saying, Hey, you should wear this tomorrow. And no, you should wear you, this shirt goes with this, you know, pair of pants. And, and I find that kind of fun. So again, that is called Cladwell. C-L-A-D-W-E-L-L. And you know, whether it's about this or anything else I ever talk about on the podcast or the blog, I'm really happy always to answer questions. So feel free to reach out. You can find me on Instagram, as I mentioned, at Kate, this mom loves. I also recently gave away a lifetime subscription to Cladwell on Instagram as one of my giveaways. So again, I'm sorry you have missed those two big giveaways, but there will be more. So go find me on Instagram. I am on Facebook and Twitter at This Mom Loves. The website is thismomloves.ca. And then for all of the episodes of the podcast, it's thismomloves.ca slash podcasts. And for things specific to this episode, you will want to click on episode 36. I am so excited to welcome my guest this week, author Elizabeth L. Klein. I loved her first book. It was Overdressed, The Shockingly High Cost of Cheap Fashion. And I was very excited when her new book was coming out. And it is called The Conscious Closet, The Revolutionary Guide to Looking Good While Doing Good. I have read this one myself now and uh, absolutely fabulous. And it's not just coming recommended by me. I mean, all the big magazines, websites, and influencers are all, all recommending this book now. So congratulations and welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for having me on. So let's start with the uh, the nitty gritty reality here. So at the beginning of this book, you say, I came face to face with our unbelievable, catastrophic and ecologically disastrous consumption of clothes. Wow. So how are things that bad? <laughs> well, in the, in the beginning of the conscious closet, um, I'm describing my experience in the secondhand clothing industry, um, which I've spent the last couple of years researching and, you know, I've known the the impacts of, of the fashion industry for a long time. Like, you know, all of the statistics, it's 8% of global carbon emissions. It's one of the world's largest water polluters. Um, it's a, you know, a huge user of non-renewable resources, uh, like oil and, and chemicals. But for me, um, one of the main inspirations for the conscious closet was just seeing the mountains of unwanted clothes that American consumers get rid of. Um, I was working with a secondhand clothing collector in New York City, and uh, the volume of clothes that people buy and toss, it's just, it's staggering. Um, and for me, it also was a reminder that 
you know, as much as we need to change the way the industry operates and, you know, as much as we need government change and policy change, a lot of the changes that um, are going to be necessary to make fashion sustainable start with us. They start uh, with consumers and the way we relate to and consume fashion. And the book is full of so much great information. I mean, research and stats and things, but also so many helpful tips. And let's just start with, you know, to you, what is a conscious closet? To me, it just means being mindful of your clothes. I think that, you know, now more than ever, it is so easy to buy clothes without thinking much about that process. Um, you know, it's, uh, you know, here in, in, New York, I could order something off Amazon um, really in two seconds and have it delivered to my house the same day. Um, if it doesn't fit, if it was cheap, there's not even really any reason to send it back. And it's just really easy to get in that cycle of not caring. Um, so to me, you know, building a conscious closet means stopping that process of, of mindlessness and choosing to be intentional and choosing to re-engage and be really thoughtful about clothes, where they come from, why they matter, and the impact that they have on the world around us. I lean sort of towards minimalism when it comes to things, and I'm always encouraging my audience to get rid of stuff. But you say that a lot of <laughs> advice out there about cleaning out our closets is wrong. So what do you suggest? Well, so I think that what gets missed in the conversation about closet cleanouts is um it's it's kind of ignores the the garbage factor right like when we get rid of mm -hmm. things those things have to go somewhere um and once upon a time you know before fast fashion and before clothing was really cheap if you donated clothing there was a good chance that that item was needed by someone in need um that it would have been uh, used and it would have enjoyed a wonderful second life. But that is not the reality that we live in anymore. Mm -hmm. And it hasn't been the reality in a really long time. So oftentimes when we're donating to charities, um, there, I mean, they have far more clothing that they, than they could ever donate locally. So it, it, a lot of what we donate ends up on this journey around the world to find someone somewhere who'd be willing to wear it. And ultimately, everything that we get rid of just goes into the garbage because uh, there really isn't great um, recycling solutions for clothes. So pretty much everything we get away, uh, give away um, is on, is on a trip to the landfill. Um, and sometimes that landfill is, is in faraway places. So I just, I want people to be like everything else in the book. I think that it's time for us to be more mindful about, um, creating waste too. Well, and I learned from your work, you know, that dropping off our bags of old clothing in the bins isn't as virtuous as sometimes we might think it is like, Oh, right. I dropped off five bags of clothing. I'm such a wonderful person. And uh Oh, maybe that isn't so great. <laughs> what are the best ways to get rid of the clothing items that we no longer personally want or need? Well, before, before I answer that, and I'm of course happy to, um, I think it's worth digging into, um, you know, how the charity system works. For the most part, when you donate clothing, uh, 
charities sell that clothing in order to raise money for their programming. So if you're giving clothes to a charity that you believe in, it is certainly true that you are giving to a good cause. But because charities um, sell the leftovers into the secondhand clothing trade, which comes with all kinds of pros and cons, which we can get into, or people can just read about it in the book. Um, it isn't, it isn't as virtuous as we think that it is. It's actually highly fraught and very controversial. And there are plenty of people who would argue that, you know, our clothing donations when they end up in sub-Saharan Africa have played a pretty key role in killing off local, uh, textile industries and the fashion industry. So I think it's just important for people to understand the process, they, it, to understand what happens once you donate. Um, and I just bring that up because I don't, it's, it's difficult to just skip ahead to how to do things, do things differently if we don't start from a place of being better informed, right? For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so in terms of, uh, you know, getting rid of clothing more responsibly, I do think it starts with us um, going through our closet and, you know, I think that this is really important, keeping things that we might wear again. Um, I think that people are way too quick to get rid of things um, just because we do think that there is somewhere useful for it to go. Um, uh, But also, you know, most of us already have a lot of really wonderful clothes. And I'm, I'm just a huge advocate for giving everything a second and third try. Um, and then if you're donating, I think it's, it's always really important to, um, know what organization you're giving to try to give to an organization you believe in. And it's even better if you can give to an organization that is transparent about all of this stuff. I think one thing that just drives me crazy is how difficult it is to to donate to a charity that's just straight up like here is exactly what we're going to do with your donations, um, and I think it's also very 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 important to give your clothes away in great condition, uh, clean, repaired, um, as store fresh and ready to go as possible because otherwise you're leaving that work to be done by someone who works in the secondhand clothing industry. And you do have other great um, used clothing etiquette advice in the book too. For example, I never thought of the importance of tying shoelaces together to keep the pair together. (laughs) That's something where I just realized, oh, I should start doing that. I never even thought of it. So all sorts of great little tips Mm -hmm. about that. So you say that the resale experience has changed a lot from the way many of us may picture it. So how so? (laughs) Um, so I would say that the rise of resale websites like ThreadUp and on the higher end, the real real have just completely transformed secondhand shopping. And, um, you know, when I was growing up, uh, shopping secondhand meant going to the local Salvation Army and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. buying something that cost a dollar and, I looked like the quintessential thrift store shopper, you know, like a little eccentric uh, teenager. But um, resale shopping has just really changed that perception because it's curated. Um, It's all of the best secondhand clothing kind of in one place. Um, And even though the treasure hunting aspect is still there, um, they've, I think that these companies have removed the stigma. They, um, 
I think resale shoppers now think of themselves as savvy. They're the they're the people who know where to get where to get a good deal. They know how to build a designer wardrobe without paying designer prices, um, and they do it by shopping secondhand. Um, and I also think that there is a consumer who is very environmentally minded who is shopping resale. So for conscious consumers, it's just a win win. You can build the wardrobe you want. You can still buy all of the brands that you want. You can buy that H&M shirt. You can buy that Zara blazer. Um, and you don't have to feel bad about it because you buy it, you know, you're buying it through, through the secondhand market. So yeah, it's just changed a lot over time. So you've got tons of experience with that, um, with secondhand and vintage shopping, that sort of thing. So what are your tips for newbies who maybe haven't done much of that or not haven't done much of that in a long time? Well, it depends on if you're shopping in a, in a thrift store, in a vintage shop or, or selling, or excuse me, shopping online. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, if you're shopping in an online resale shop, I think the name of the game is trying to get the nicest brands, uh, that you can for the smallest amount of money. Um, and Mm -hmm. I've gotten really, really good, um, over time. Like, yeah, you talk about some of them in the book, like, holy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's just, I mean, for me, shopping secondhand is the reason why I will never, ever, ever for the rest of my life go back to shopping fast fashion because because um, I realized that there are clothes that are so much better made. They're like in a completely different stratosphere. Um, and I don't, I want to own nice clothes now. Um, I can't, like most normal people, I can't really afford to, to buy designer um, retail. So I, I do all of that on thread up and real, real and Poshmark. Um, uh, but yeah, I guess it depends. I can get into it for thrift store shopping, but that's like a completely separate <laughs> set of skills than resale shopping. What are a couple of tips for that? Uh, yeah. So I would say set, uh, go into it. Um, setting the price, like what's the most you'd be willing to pay? Um, like, set it, set your filters at like a hundred dollars and, um, then cap them at, you know, a a certain price that will weed out the lower value brands. And that's when you can start to see like, Oh my gosh, I can, I can afford, you know, Alexander Wang for $20. I don't have to buy, um, (laughs) you know, uh, Kohl's or Target or whatever for $20. Um, but I also recommend that people look up the resale value of what they're, going to buy beforehand. Um, And so that way, if you're buying something that's seasonal or trend driven, you can sell it at the end of the season or whenever Mm -hmm. you're done with it and make some of your money back. So if we want more information, so maybe about the environmental impact of different brands or even working conditions, other ethical things, how can we find Mm -hmm. that out? So maybe it's, you know, we already like certain brands and want to know how well they rate, or maybe we're just looking to find better options. What resources are out there for finding that information? Yeah, I, I give a lot of advice about that in the book and some of my favorite tricks or tips I think the easiest place to start is with um, either the Good On You website, which is such a fantastic resource. Uh, it essentially ranks a lot. They don't have every major brand, but they're getting there. They rank all all brands from, I believe, um, not good enough all the way up to great. And 
usually on that website, what you'll find is that big brands are kind of somewhere in the middle, um, which is really useful because you can kind of shift your purchases. Like let's say you're shopping for a dress. Uh, you can see all of the brands that are ranked there. And if you usually shop with a brand that's ranked, you know, not great, you should avoid it makes it really easy to shift to something that has a better environmental performance. I absolutely love that website. And then if you want to kind of go a step further and do a little bit of your own uh, detective work, I really like Fashion Revolution, uh, excuse me, Fashion Revolution's Transparency Index, which comes out every year. It is a free report and it ranks brands, I believe, based on a percentage based on how much they reveal about their environmental and social efforts. Um, and actually I do have one more report that's free that I really love. And mm -hmm. it's put out every year by an Australian charity called um, Baptist World Aid. And the report is called, so easy to remember, the Ethical Fashion <laughs> Report. And it ranks brands from A to F. Um, so it makes it super, super easy and I think it's really important to not just try to always do the A's and go for the like perfect companies, but just shift your money away from the companies that are doing nothing yeah. towards those companies that are making, uh, you know, steps in the right direction. And do any brand names come to mind if we want to think about like some affordable brands, but that also have really good sustainable practices or really good ratings with these, uh, with these reports, any come to mind? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I would say that, you know, not surprisingly, usually the companies that go to the very, very top of the heap are these smaller startups that have sustainability and ethics built into their DNA. So those are like the, you know, reformations of the world, Eileen Fisher, um, uh, you know, nudie and mud jeans, like these little companies that are very, I guess reformation is up, not that little anymore, but I mean, you get my point. There's small companies yeah. that started out socially driven, but that said, a lot of big brands are doing some really, really cool stuff. And the companies that I kind of see go to the top of the heap, um, again and again, and continue to be industry leaders. Um, surprisingly, H&M and Inditex, which is the company that owns Zara. Um, a lot mm -hmm. of the athletic brands like Nike and Adidas, uh, G-Star, the denim brand also ranks well. And of course, Patagonia, um, what they've been, you know, I think socially driven, like since the beginning. Um, and a lot of the luxury brands, all of the, the luxury brands that are owned by um, Caring, um, like Gucci and Balenciaga, they all rank well. Uh, oh, and then, of course, I'm missing like Stella McCartney, but that's, you know, that's a luxury brand. But yeah, there's, there's a lot of big yes. brands that um, are doing cool stuff. So obviously our clothing purchases can have a huge impact, but you also write about um, changes we can make to our laundry routines that can reduce the negative impact of our clothing. <laughs> I loved writing that chapter. <laughs> I know. So um, what are a few of your tips when it comes to our laundry? Well, I don't know what the culture is like where you live, but in the States, like people, um, <laughs> they... So Americans wash seven to eight loads of laundry per week. Um, we have these, 85% uh, of people own a vented 
tumble dryer, which is one of the most energy intensive household appliances in in existence. And if you even mention line drying to people or skipping washes, they're just like, oh my, you know, like, what are you talking about? Um, so here I would say we're up against some pretty, pretty set in cultural practices around laundry and everywhere in the world, culture strongly influences cleaning routines. But that said, there are a lot of ways to uh, clean clothes more sustainably. The most obvious, obvious and easiest one I would say is to always wash clothes on cold, um, in cold water, because 90% of the energy used in our washing machines goes to heat the water. And, you know, the exception to that would be perhaps if you have someone in your household is sick or um, maybe you have like a really bad, you know, oily stain or something on your clothes. But in general, laundry detergents are formulated to work in cold water and they're going to work really well. Then the other thing that I dug up in my research that I thought was so fascinating was that if you have a tumble dryer, the way to use that machine more efficiently and I just thought this was so interesting, is if you turn it down, so you uh, dry it on a lower heat setting for longer, it uses a fraction of the energy of drying on high heat for short periods of time. And that's like totally counterintuitive, um, but it's heating the air in our dryers that takes up so much energy. So um Yeah. And then of course, I mean, if you are the kind of person who is like, Hmm, maybe I should line dry, like do it that it really is that tumble dryer. That's such a, such an energy hog. So if, if there's any, any part of you that's interested in making that switch to, um, air drying more of your clothes, like do it. I, 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 I made the switch like years ago and like, I would never go back because my clothes just last so much longer. It's just night and day. Um, dryers are really, really hard on clothes. I believe you. I don't know if I could do it, but I believe you, but I do wash everything in cold water all the time. So that's, that's one point to my credit. That's huge. Yeah, no, that's a, that's a great, yeah, that's a great step. And I mean, the other thing about tumble dryers is like, you know, you tell people to do anything that takes more time. They're like, well, I don't know. (laughs) You're asking Mm -hmm. me to turn my dryer on for longer. Um, but for me, what sold me on changing my drying habits was, um, just, just seeing how much longer, how much longer my clothes lasted and how much better they looked. Um, now I'm like, I won't put anything in a dryer that I care about is how I put it. Like I'll put my, my underwear and my t-shirts in there and like nothing else. I interviewed uh, Sophie Gregoire Trudeau, who is our prime minister's wife a few episodes ago. And when talking to her about choosing outfits for big events, she said that what can I wear again is her first question. And I thought that was a great example for her to set by, you know, talking about rewearing her her clothing. Yeah. Yeah. So who are some other celebrity or high profile role models when it comes to the, the idea of a conscious closet? Oh my gosh, I love that question. Well, I mean, I think that the actress uh, Emma Watson is just such, she's been such a like tireless advocate for sustainable and conscious fashion. She always walks the red carpet in some really cool, (laughs) sustainable designer brand. And whenever she's interviewed in magazines, she's always talking about sustainable fashion. And she's just really done a lot to change the image and the perception around sustainability and made it seem luxurious and uh, aspirational. Um, One of my favorite 
pop culture moments just related to what you were saying about the, did you say it was the prime minister's wife? Yes. Yeah. So, um, Tiffany Haddish, the comedian, uh, she showed up to four different award season events. I think this was in, it started in 2017 and then it went into 2018 wearing the same Alexander McQueen dress. And the reason why she did it is because her stylist was like, you can't wear the same thing twice. And she was like, oh, I absolutely can and will wear the same thing twice. (laughs) And I just thought it was so, um, it was just like one of those amazing moments where someone breaks through the culture and kind of shakes all of us out of it. And is like, oh yeah, when did we, when did we get to this place where we thought that we couldn't repeat an outfit? Um, so I, I love her. Um, and she was like, yeah, I just fabriced it and put it back on. I just (laughs) just thought that was so great. (laughs) Well, and I love to follow the fashion of Kate Middleton or the Duchess of Cambridge, I guess is her official title. And she repeats things all the time, which I think is great too. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And when she, um, she also often has things reconstructed. Like I think she also has a white Alexander McQueen dress that she's had tweaked and altered over the years. Um, and she just like keeps wearing it. But yeah, she, she is an inspiration and also, um, Megan Markle uh, often wears, uh, you know, she'll wear, you know, beige sneakers, which are eco-friendly, or she'll wear like a Reformation jumpsuit. Um, So she's, yeah, those those, uh, royals over there are really, (laughs) really making the movement look good. There are so many fashion influencers out there in the social media world, and they make an income from advertising products on their channels and encouraging their audiences to buy. So what advice would you give or what direction do you think they should go to maintain their roles and still have jobs, but in a more responsible way and thinking more about this idea of the conscious closet? My, that's it. Okay. So if it's a mainstream influencer, this, that's a hard question for me to answer because I really have a problem with the fact that social media is is monetized um, and that every single corner of the internet is a shopping mall. Um, I, I just personally uh, find it really problematic that we can't go online without um, being advertised to and that often those advertisements are coming from our peers, you know, and I'm speaking also about people in the conscious fashion community. But on the other hand, I understand that this is the way a lot of people make their money now. And it is a lot. um, It is a like key uh, income source for a lot of young women. So I would say if you're an influencer, and they hear this all the time, but you have to, you really have to make sure that you're using your voice and your platform to spread the right message. Um, And there are so many cool, sustainable and ethical startups and small brands that really need the support of uh, somebody with a large following that can kind of talk about why it's important to make clothing sustainably and why it's important to pay living wages to garment workers. So, you know, I think it's important to support those ethical and sustainable brands. And I often, I can't really name any off the top of my head, but I see plenty of influencers who also also balance that message with saying, I'm re-wearing this outfit. I bought this secondhand. I rented this. Like, in fact, almost all of the conscious fashion influencers I see 
have that as part of their message. Um, like they're like, today I'm wearing vintage or today I'm wearing that thing you saw me wearing two days ago. <laughs> um, and they, they somehow artfully blend all of these messages. Like it's, it's gotta be quite the balancing act. So we have reached the final question. I always ask my interviewees if they have a favorite thing to recommend to listeners. Is there any, anything that you would recommend? It can be anything anything like an app or a beauty product or a drink or a book or anything you love? Okay. Um, so if you haven't already <laughs> read the 2010 book, um, the shallows, which is ostensibly about, um, what the internet is doing to our brains, but really, um, it's a book about the glories of reading, um, physical books um, you know, I, I think everyone kind of will relate to just like how accelerated our lives feel now and how difficult it can feel to slow down and really take a moment for yourself. And this book just makes this really compelling argument that, um, that, you know, reading books, uh, wire, it wires your brain for, for focus, um, uh, for a better attention span and for better critical thinking. Um, and so after I read that book, it, I sort of recommitted myself and you would think I'm an author that I read all the time, but like everybody else, like I get into that cycle of getting addicted to my phone and this book just really snapped me out of it. And it's also just really, really interesting. Um, so I recommend like the nerdy author that I am reading this <laughs> book, the shallows, and then just reading more books in general. Perfect. I have now added that to my list. Great. All right. So the conscious closet, the revolutionary guide to looking good while doing good by Elizabeth L. Klein is available now. I really, really, really recommend it listeners. You should go get it. And I'll have all the links that you need in the show notes for episode 36 at thismumloves.ca slash podcasts. Thank you so much for being here, Elizabeth. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me on. Now, normally after I say goodbye to my special guest, I wrap things up, but I had so many notes and questions and things for this interview with Elizabeth Alkline that I wanted to do just a tiny little bit of an epilogue to throw in some other thoughts and things that we didn't have time for, things that I picked up from her book. Um, so first of all, just that it's okay to keep pieces of clothing that you suspect are unethical. That's something that she says in her book. I mean, perhaps you think they were made in a sweatshop or they might not be so eco-friendly. Focus on next time because it doesn't do any good to just say, oh, I'm banning this brand and then dumping the clothing somewhere because the problem is you shouldn't be dumping the clothing. And I know after Marie Kondo's show um, on Netflix started, there was just an influx in all of these donation centers of clothing because people were doing all of these giveaways. I mean, her, her books were popular, but then once she hit Netflix, it kind of went uh, really mainstream. And so the more you can actually not get rid of the better, which kind of goes against my whole leaning towards minimalism and all that sort of stuff. If it's something you can keep and keep wearing, you should, unless you have a really good place to send it. And it was funny because my daughters had gone through their rooms to go back to school a couple months ago. And and, um, you know, Olivia hands things down to Eva and then Eva hands things down as well. And we had a whole bag of items and we talked about where to send it. And I'm feeling a little less virtuous as that's the word I use with Elizabeth about just kind of dumping bags off somewhere. 
So I thought about a family who I knew who might be interested in the items and you have to be careful because you don't want to, you know, be overstepping or hurting someone's feelings. But I mean, we receive so many hand-me-downs from family members and it's not that we can't afford clothing for our children or that we're in need. It's just kind of what family and friends do. But I did ask this one mom, I know if she would be interested in those hand-me-downs for her child and she was very grateful. And uh, it's kind of neat when you see, see a child wearing things that, you know, came from her home and that she loves them and that they didn't end up in a landfill or, or being sent overseas somewhere. So, so that's great. And the day that we made that email or reached out and made that contact, made that email, um, another kind of extended family member texted to ask if Olivia and Eva wanted some of her hand-me-downs. So it kind of all, uh, all works in a nice cycle. The girls have gotten hand-me-downs recently from my mom, which they love. I mean, it's just so funny. Mom will put out, you know, cardigans she doesn't want anymore or whatever. And the girls snatch them right up, which I think is great that they're not always wanting to buy new stuff. Now, Elizabeth talks in her book too about tailoring and reworking things. I am not a tailor or a seamstress. I did invest in sewing lessons for Olivia, which have come in handy because not only did she make a great friend at sewing, but also she does little things like putting buttons back on. And yes, I am fully capable of sewing a button on, but whether that's how I want to prioritize, you know, a spare few moments of time, maybe not. So she, uh, she has done things like that or, you know, fixing, um, seems that have come loose, that sort of thing. So, you know, it's great that she can do that stuff. And she's even reworked things like a pair of jeans she had. She um, turned them into overall shorts for Eva, a pair that she outgrew. You cut the legs off and then part of it becomes sort of the bib at the front and then part of it becomes the straps at the back. And and she finds that fun too. So I think it's good that, that the girls are growing up knowing to do things like that. Uh, another interesting fact that Elizabeth had in the book, the fashion industry spews more global warming carbon dioxide annually than all international flights and maritime shipping combined. So I know recently uh, Harry and Meghan got in big trouble, well, not recently, a few weeks ago for, you know, flying on a private jet and that sort of thing. But I mean, really, um, you know, the fashion industry is so much worse than I even realized. So it's worth working on. Another tip in her book was rent your next wardrobe. And it really made me think about my partnership with a local fashion um, establishment called Kathy Allen Ladies Wear in Lindsay, which is near where I live. And when I do TV appearances, I borrow complete outfits from them, sort of, you know, head to toe, the outfit, the shoes, the, the earrings or bracelet, whatever. And I know sometimes people will ask me after, oh, didn't you want to buy that after? Oh, too bad. You know, they didn't offer you to keep it. I don't want to keep it. I don't want to buy it. I don't want more stuff. And if I've already worn it on national television, I love the idea that it's just going back and getting sold or whatever it is that they do. And you know, it's not filling up my closet and I'm getting all this variety of things to wear. So I know I'm lucky. It's not exactly like renting because they're kind enough to loan me the items, but there are a lot of rental places now too, especially online where you can pay a fee, whether it's monthly or annually and get a certain number of items. And some might be designer and some might not, but you know, something else to consider if you're, you're looking for another way to, um, shake up your wardrobe without actually purchasing things to fill your closet. I also found out that ground shipping isn't as big an issue as I thought it was environmentally. It's the manufacturing of clothing. And actually, ground shipping isn't so bad. Um, Apparently, in the book, Elizabeth writes that it's actually pretty efficient. So when you order something online, it's not so much the guilt that you have to feel about... um, 
about the shipping because every, the way everything's all sort of packed up in the vehicles and, and transported, that part isn't as huge an impact on the environment as the manufacturing of the clothes in the first place. So it's just about buying less. Now, packaging can be another big issue. The environmental impact in terms of online shopping or even renting is the packaging that gets disposed of and some can be recycled, but even still, it's still, you know, going somewhere and, and, um, and using up some resources to do that, but uh, it's not so much the shipping itself. She mentions a clothing swap idea. So I'm throwing this out to local friends and relatives and listeners. If a clothing swap is something that interests you, maybe it's something we can look at organizing. I'm just not sure who I know that might be interested in that sort of thing or what the logistics would be, but maybe we could make sort of a, a fun evening out of it, whether it's just a small, small thing at my house or whether we get a bigger venue and a lot of people come. So I'm just going to throw that out there and leave that for anybody who's listening and wants to reach out and say, yes, they'd like to try the idea of a clothing swap. And let's see, I think. Yeah, I think that's all I wanted to say about that. But so many things from the show today, they just kind of tie into where I want to go with the whole brand of This Mom Loves. And I have been inspired by Jillian Harris, I have to say, because she has moved so much from sort of all the links to buy all the things, which she still has because it's her full-time job and she has a staff of people who have to get paid. So the money has to come from somewhere, whereas I have a lovely, well-paying full-time job. And so that's not so much my concern, but I do still need to be able to sustain the whole blog and podcast and everything. Thing. So it's great when I can partner up with people, but I feel like, you know, the brands I've talked about today, a couple of them, we did work together. And one of them was just kind of my own idea to share, but they kind of fit with what I want to do, like less stuff and more about experiences, trying to go Canadian when we can, trying to be sustainable when we can. I won't always. I mean, I mentioned earlier with Elizabeth, I use my dryer. I used to have a beautiful clothesline in the backyard. It just I just want the convenience of tossing the clothing in the dryer and having them done. I don't like the clothespin marks and things are crunchy and it's, you know, and that's me being selfish. I will totally admit it, but I am washing everything in cold water. So we're making little, uh, little adjustments as we go. Well, thank you to all of you for being here today for this episode. As always, I would like to thank my amazing podcast editor, Lucas Wojcicki, for being here too and doing the great work that he does to make these podcasts sound good. And I would like to leave you with just a final word, and it's from Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Until next time.